Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. In this podcast, we have a recording of an interview of me, Sean White, on Corey Vanderpool's Solar Broadcast Podcast. You can see a link to that down at the bottom of the show notes. And what we're going to do is take a deep dive on energy storage and renewables. And so let's take a look at some of these topics. We're going to talk about solar and wind finally becoming the cheapest forms of electricity, electric vehicles bringing down the cost of lithium-ion energy storage systems, battery benefits, including being a load besides being a source of power, wind power's cubed relationship to wind speed. That's right, the power is related to the cube of the wind speed. That's kind of a big deal. Frequency regulation being the biggest use for energy storage on the grid right now. Negative energy pricing in Germany. Ramp rates of energy storage beating all other forms of energy by a long shot, especially underground mined resources. That's fossil fuels and nuclear, which don't have that great of a ramp rate compared to energy storage. The electric vehicle to grid future. That means connecting your car to the grid to help support the grid which we're gonna need a lot of, especially as we have a lot more electric vehicles connected to the grid. It's inevitable. We're gonna talk a little bit about LG batteries in cars versus LG batteries in homes and how the price is almost the same. And a little technical part about lithium ion graphite anodes, silicon anodes, lithium metal anodes, Specific energy, that's energy per weight, versus energy density, that's energy per volume, and dendrites, that's something that we don't want in our batteries. And then I, Sean White, am going to give you my 10-year prediction for mainstream battery pricing being between 20 cents and 40 cents per kilowatt hour. Yep, most people will think I'm crazy. We're going to talk about soldering homemade lithium-ion battery packs. Don't try this at home, folks. That was my disclaimer so I don't get sued. Battery cells, battery modules, and battery packs, the definition of that. And buying houses with pre-existing solar, real estate with solar, and knowing how to value them, like solar valuation, including solar asset value, and solar offset value, that's offsetting electricity and the value of that. We're gonna talk about Corey Vanderpool's Selling Solar Homes book. That's the guy that interviewed me on this podcast. And check out the show notes to see how to get a hold of Corey Vanderpool, including his website, his book, his podcast homepage, his Twitter and LinkedIn links. And we're gonna also mention Michael Ginsburg's book, which is Solar Photovoltaic Power Optimization Verification, etc. And we have the Amazon link for that. But don't forget to go to solarsean.com. Now on with the show, Corey. Welcome to another episode of Solar Broadcast. My name is Corey Vanderpool. I'm your host. Joining me today, I've got Sean White. Welcome, Sean. Glad to have you on the show. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad this to have you. This will be fun. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. And we're on, we're on Sean's podcast as well. Sean is a podcaster. What's your podcast, Sean? Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Corey. Yeah, you bet. Glad to have you on the show. Sean, become a friend of mine. Can I consider a friend? I don't know. He may probably doesn't. Like, I don't know. Are you my friend, Corey? Yeah, best buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I've known Sean for we a while. way year. back. Yeah, we do. Actually, we, we've got a, a little bit of history together. Sean. Yeah, uh, we've yeah we've been to Vegas, history. though, so we can't talk about that. That's right. Actually, that's true. We really probably shouldn't say anything else. 
No, I met Sean in Vegas. I was training for my NAB certification. NABTEP, uh, we'll talk about that, but that was how I met Sean and went to his class and got to learn from him. And Sean is an educator. Sean is an author of several books on solar and solar education and certification. And so someone who definitely has got a very in-depth knowledge of the product himself. And the reason I wanted to have Sean on the podcast is oftentimes when homeowners are looking at solar or want to go solar, as a solar guy, a little bit about myself, I've been doing this for eight years and I helped thousands of homeowners go solar. And one of the things that we often hear is I want to do my research, right? I want to find out. And so I want to have Sean on today because you really can't find more credible information, right? Than someone who's been educating the professionals that are installing and procuring and doing all of that the solar industry is doing. And so welcome to the show, Sean. I'm really glad you're here. We're glad to hopefully get some good insights from you today. I was having a conversation with Sean earlier and uh, brought up a really interesting uh, side of things, right? We're seeing a huge uh, spike in utility scale solar getting installed across the United States right now. Why is that, Sean? Yeah, and across the whole universe, or at least the part of the universe that we know about, Earth. (laughs) Because the solar that they have on Mars, that's not really utility scale, (laughs) even though it costs a lot more. (laughs) Similar costs, much, much lower output. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah, it's probably like one little solar cell. They spend as much as they'll spend a megawatt. You know, right. the, the price of PVs come down so much that in 2019, solar and wind, and this is big wind. So like wind pays off great when it's huge. I mean, we're talking about like multi, multi million, multi megawatt wind turbines, and those things pay off good. And so it's similar. I think the chart that I'm thinking of right now is like. Solar is a little bit cheaper than wind. And it's a pretty famous chart. Everybody's showing it around. And so it just shows the huge decrease in the price of electricity for solar versus everything else. And solar, wind, coal, nuclear, all that kind of stuff. And solar and wind, they undercut everything. You know, there's like natural gas. You know, it's everything. It's the cheapest form of electricity. So whether or not you believe that, you know, climate change and all that kind of stuff, If you want to make money, the place to do it is to get the cheapest electricity. And so that's solar. And we've gotten to a point where like coal plants, like even if you built a coal plant yesterday, it's cheaper to just not ever turn it on and then build a solar farm. You know, the argument was, well, you have to wait for the coal plant to like reach its end of life. And then you build a solar farm because once you build it, you invested all this money into it. But now it's just solar and wind is getting so much cheaper. So electricity is so much cheaper. So now what we're seeing too, especially with the advent of all these electric vehicles out there, is that we're really mass producing batteries. Some of the biggest buildings in the world are for batteries, you know, making these battery cells, packs and modules. And the battery prices are going down like crazy, like solar did. And now there's still more demand with all this car building going on in electric vehicles there's still more demand. So the price, I believe, is artificially high for the batteries. And just because they're trying to corner that market with cars, maybe having that computer chip shortage is helping (laughs) a little bit with that demand because they just, you know, they need to have more computer chips for the batteries. And these electric cars are awesome. I I bought a used Model S 2015, and it is the most awesome car I ever drove by far. And I've driven like, you know, other nice cars and Mercedes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I it's just, the same car. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, it's 20, just, I have a 2015 Model S. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And it's just like you can like nonchalantly 
get wherever you want. Like if there's like people accelerating and with, if you were driving a Mercedes or a Ferrari or something, it's like and jerking with the transmission all over the place. And this is just like, you just smoothly go and just get right into where you want to be in that lane. And then you put on the auto steering and (laughs) you know, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so with the batteries going down in price, um, cause that's the, you know, the thing about renewables is they're intermittent, but with batteries going down in price, we're getting to a point where then we can even outdo the other forms of energy at nighttime. You know, we're still waiting for it to go down and the prices of, you know, these lithium ion batteries are going down faster than anybody ever predicted, just like what solar did. Mm-hmm. And we're just seeing this stuff take off. And so like, you know, you see these people saying like, oh, we're going to reach you know, hundred percent renewable by 2030 or 2050 or whatever. It's like, it could be a lot sooner than that, you know, and just for financial reasons, even in coal country where they just, they want to do coal plants. It's like, it doesn't pay to do coal. <laughs> it just, renewables are so much less expensive. As I've met with so many homeowners, right. I think most of them love the idea of doing the right thing, right. Like being part of the green movement, like, Hey, I, this feels good. Mm-hmm. Right. But the decision to get there largely comes from, right. This is financially motivating. Like, Hey, I'm going to save money. This is going to be a good thing for our family, our home, whatever, like sustainably in the future, it's going to be long-term cheaper. Like that's, what's going to get us there. And so, you know, if we have, again, a meeting where, you know, the green resource meets the green dollar at a point where it's better, right. Then that's where we see mass adoption. And that's where California, you know, it's got, you know, over a million solar homes, you know, and obviously they've got the most solar of anybody. They're producing a huge amount of solar, but across the country, you know, solar is obviously going way up as far as a utility and a resource for production, but the cost is so much lower than it used to be. It's incredible. And like I said, with the drop in batteries and we're, we haven't even really seen mass adoption of the EVs, but we've seen mass commitment, right? On the side of the automakers. I mean, pretty much everybody's committed at least a part of their fleet to EV, right? Yeah. And where I live, I mean, I'm in the, the Bay Area. So every time I park, it seems like I get back to my car and there's another Tesla parking next to me. <laughs> Maybe they just do that on purpose. <laughs> but that's not uncommon at all. And there's this, you know, just I can't drive down my street a block without seeing them. They're all over. And so the most exciting part about all this, too, is what what's going to happen is most of these batteries are going into cars and cars are only used a small percentage of the time. And they're usually just sitting there plugged in at your house or your work. And a lot of times, too, what we need for the energy storage isn't going to be like cycling a battery all the way up and down. It's just like a little pulse here, pulse there. Sometimes even the benefit of having a battery is turning it into a load when there's too much on the grid. And so we're going to coordinate all this stuff and we're going to have bi-directional cars. Let's back up real quick. That Mm -hmm. right there is a very critical point that I want you to. Like, what is a load? Like, like, so when you said that, that was a, I think is a huge point that it's going to be a very critical thing in the next five, 10 years. Can you mm-hmm. just talk yeah. a little bit more about that? Cause that's really important. Yeah. So let's say that we have intermittent solar, like partly cloudy day, intermittent wind, you know, where it's like you get gusts and all that kind of stuff. And this is especially true with wind. And so with wind, every time you double the speed of wind, you get the cube of the power. If you double it, the cube is two times two times two, that's eight. Two times two is four times two is eight. So you get double the wind speed, 
So you go from like 20 to 40 miles an hour or 20 to 40 kilometers an hour, you double the wind speed and you're all of a sudden you're getting eight times the power, you know, like huge differences in power. And so the biggest reason that they have energy storage on the grid right now is frequency regulation. Let's say if you're in a place like Hawaii that has kind of a small grid and something speeds up and something slows down and like, just like with wind, it could be like the clouds coming over the PV, could be somebody turning something on, just like these things that are going to change what's going on on the grid. Sometimes, you know, if like you had a little small generator, you know, you hooked up your Honda generator and then you turn something on, you hear it slow down for a second before the throttle kicks in. And so that's lowering the frequency until the throttle kicks in, that kicks up the power. And so if you lower the frequency of the grid, you need to like inject more power into the grid. And if there's too much sun or too much wind or something for a second, or it could be from a down power line too, it can create something like this. And then what happens if there's too much power on the grid, then you want to suck power out of the grid because there's too much. And you got to so discharge that, that somewhere. Yeah. So perfect time to charge your car, you know, charge your home battery or anything. And sometimes it's not even for that long of a period of time. Even in Germany, they have like negative electricity pricing. And so there's a few days out of the year where it's like sunny and windy and it's not too hot for air conditioning and not too cold for heating. And they do negative pricing where they like pay people to take your energy. And I was like, well, what do they do? Turn on the heater and the air conditioner at the same time. And it's like, well, that may might might help or they can, you know, send it to another country that's, you know, that needs something. But there's all these different things that you can do. With coal and nuclear, it takes a long time to ramp it up and down. You know, like nuclear, you just don't do it. It's baseload power. And then with coal, you know, it could like take hours to like get that thing, that boiler really hot. And then with natural gas, you know, it could take minutes. So you could do a lot quicker with natural gas. With energy storage, it can take milliseconds. So just like fractions of a second and you can ramp it up and ramp it down with like a lithium ion battery. There's different types of energy storage too, but we're mostly talking about lithium ion batteries. And there's other things like flow batteries and flywheels and all that stuff. They're really cool, but just because of the electric vehicle industry, lithium batteries, lithium ion batteries, I should say, have just gone down so much in price just because of that mass production. And so that's where these low costs are running right now. And so Ford is coming out next year with the F-150 that's going to be able to, they haven't said if it's going to be able to support the grid, but it will be able to support your house, Mm -hmm. you know, to back up your house. And so I think pretty soon if Ford's going to do it and the Cybertruck's coming out, they got to match Ford on that one, you know, there's, and, um, and then pretty soon we're going to have bi-directional and it's, it seems to me kind of ridiculous that we can't, you know, use our car batteries on the grid. Like they should just make a warranty that's not just for miles, not just for years, but also for, you know, kilowatt hours and how you cycle it up and down and all that stuff. They just need to write that in there and you can connect it to the grid. You could go on vacation, you leave your car plugged in and you come home, your car made you some money, <laughs> yeah. you know, because we need that energy storage. And they're putting that, did you know that the biggest energy storage system right now is at Moss Landing that's over kind of near like Santa Cruz in that area. Hmm, I didn't uh, know that, no. In California. So, uh-huh. uh, and it, it's hard to say how big it is because it's bigger every day. You know, like they're, they keep they adding more. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But that's the biggest one in the world. Yeah. I know that there's 
I mean, those numbers keep getting broken, right? They keep adding the biggest, the biggest. It's mm-hmm. just there's yeah. this industry keeps on growing and keeps on expanding at a rate that's that's crazy and it's cool to see. And I just think that uh, as far as like a holistic solution, right? We it is definitely batteries are going to be a very important part of the conversation, right? When we're talking about the direction of clean energy, renewable energy, you know, especially with the source of the sun. And obviously, why is coal? you know, now more expensive than solar because you're building the facility, but the sun isn't charging us for that, right? There's no cost to soak up that sun and there is effectively no moving parts, right? So yeah. the ongoing mm-hmm. maintenance of a solar array is, is a dude with a squeegee basically, you know? And so keeping that level of maintenance cost down and the input cost down, obviously just you, that means you have your initial startup cost and then your ongoing maintenance, which is fairly low. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's applicable on the utility side and commercial and right down to the homeowner. And so mm-hmm. having that both sides, I think is really important as far as making, looking at it in terms of a long-term affordable resource. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the PV modules, the solar panels, they're like, hundred bucks now, you know, I mean, depending, you know, sometimes there's tariffs and all that kind of stuff. Cause we're we got to fight that trade war, <laughs> but the price, you know, it's not too long ago or 10, 12 years ago, they were like a thousand bucks. Yeah. And so that you could just, you could put up 10 times more of them for the same price. Yeah. And yeah, you can do a lot more with the resources that we have. So for the residential side, like looking at batteries, obviously an EV would be a great solution. We're not there yet. So over the next five years, is that the direction you see? Uh, you see us going as a, you know, as an industry where we're no longer depending as much on the utility, but more maybe on-site storage. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to just, you know, need as solar gets more and more built up. You know, it's like not too long ago we were just trying to get to one percent of the electricity produced, and now you know we're getting a significant amount, depending on where you are. So it's getting really good, but we need to have that ability to store the energy, but sometimes we could even just have the PV system turn off if it's making too much, you know, and the PV models are so cheap that sometimes it's even worth it. People are facing them east and west instead of south, so they can get more in the morning, more in the afternoon. There's all, all these different strategies to go with, but with all the energy storage that's already out there in these cars, it's pretty much a software issue. You know, it's like, it's not too much like I've even heard the guy that I bought my car from, he worked for Tesla and I think he was kind of high up and he was saying that, oh yeah, it's just pretty much software that they have to do. Like they just have to change it. It's like your car has an inverter in it even. It's got a lot of kilowatts to it, you know, like like way more kilowatts than your house. And so we have all the stuff. And I've even read some articles too, where they, they were reverse engineering some Teslas and taking them apart. And they're like, oh yeah, this has got all everything in here. All they need to do is tweak the software and then you can be feeding the grid. And so we could almost come up with a conspiracy theory that the EV manufacturers are trying to sell you more home batteries <laughs> by not letting you use your car to back your house up and things like that, or, oh, you, you know, to feed the grid. But we're getting to a point where the value of having your car go bi-directional is going to be so great that they're going to just do it because the value is too great. And the value is going to be that great because of the need, because we're going to have so much renewable energy on the grid because renewable energy is so cheap and we just don't want to throw it away. You know, you don't want to th- say, oh, it's noon and I'm going to throw away all this energy and I have my car sitting there with a dead battery. That's kind of stupid. 
Mm -hmm. right? And it may be that my car is not here, but my car is at work and whatever. And then you're, you know, you're net metering and then you're getting at work. I don't know. Obviously there could be lots of different solutions there, but Mm -hmm. the cool thing too, though, that we're seeing on the residential side with batteries is in conjunction with the EV adoption of them, we're seeing the cost of them coming down significantly. And with now more and more hybrid inverters coming out, right? You have the ability to both store and net meter and and be able to still operate even if the grid goes down where that really was not a very you know popular option a few years ago you know people ask me about how is the technology of solar changing i'm like well the panel itself really hasn't changed in quite a while but it's the supporting inverters and and that really is where the development and and the software ultimately is uh is where we're seeing a progression in the technology yeah and the price yeah yeah and ultimately price i mean Mm. i've seen uh battery system big enough to back up a home that's using you know whatever your average system size that is that is a third of what it used to be with a 25-year warranty on them and that was unheard of you know a few years ago and so you know there are some good solutions out there you know and i think that as we see you know either the cost of electricity go up or these keep costs keep coming down right there's going to be a parity point where that cost does make sense where it's like yeah it would be dumb not to do this right we, we should definitely do this and that's where you know, where right now, if we were to look at like residential solar, it, there's pretty much concentrated across 10 or 11 states, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with either sun hours and net metering and the cost of electricity. But as those numbers basically start to differ, I think that we're going to see a much larger percentage of not only, you know, our country, but, you know, across the country, across the world, we're utilizing this clean energy to, to you know, satisfy our power needs, mm-hmm. which keep going up. We keep getting more and more power hungry as a, as a society. We all love our technology and the different devices that we all use, and electricity is a great way to use those, but, you know, especially with shifting power consumption from the gas pump to now the electric meter, you know, in the form of electric vehicle. That's a huge step in the right direction, but there's a huge power need there. And so having a good resource where we can depend on for that power, I think, is important and understanding how that works and and just seeing the direction and where we're going it's cool to see it moving faster than a pace than any of us anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was looking at a chart and they were showing that price of the batteries for my car, which are the same as well, the same batteries, essentially they use for energy storage. So that's why, you know, cars, same thing. And it was $400 a kilowatt hour. And now it's under a hundred dollars. Then you look at that same chart and they're expecting, you know, when it was going to get to the price that it is today. And it was like 2030, <laughs> you know, so it just like, we're outdoing all expectations. Another thing that I did too with my friend, Bill Brooks, who you probably might've heard of, Uh um, he bought a Nero, a Kia Nero. And so he got rebates and all that kind of stuff. And that's using the LG Kim battery. So you probably know they make that residential energy storage unit, RESU. And we calculated how much he paid for his car, how many kilowatt hours that was, and then how many of these LG batteries that he would have to put on his house to have the same amount of energy storage and the price was the same. And so it was like, do you want it? Do you want your batteries with or without a car? <laughs> and it's like, well, if you get it with a car, you can't feed your house. But without a car, you can. Yeah. And it seems like so they can sell double the batteries, maybe, you know. So that's just goes to show you how the industry's working. And I just think that it's inevitable that that's going to change. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're just, it has been very expensive traditionally. Yeah, and it's just like that startup mentality with the, these battery and car companies. They're just, you know, growing so fast. They're just like scrambling to make it work. Right. 
I think and they I think can you, sell whatever they're making. <laughs> yeah, it's like just yeah, just if you can sell everything, then charge whatever you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's to say, I've seen a couple manufacturers out there that are getting more reasonable in costs on the home storage side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's incredible to see what the cost per kilowatt hour. Where do you see that going in the next five, 10 years? Do you think that'll go, you know, much below a hundred, significantly lower? I mean, where do you think where do you think that's uh, going for the for the car for the batteries? Yeah, yeah, for the lithium ion batteries. I think what like with PV, we're kind of limited to, you know, it's like the, the, the technology that we're using, crystalline silicon, you know, it's like you pretty much, by now we pretty much know that rectangular crystalline silicon modules are, you're not going to beat that. You know, you could do little tweaks to it and get another quarter percent here and there, and that's going to keep happening. Yeah. But with batteries, it's chemistry, and there's just so many different chemistries out there that they're working on. And so what we have is like graphite anodes. And if they could figure out a silicon anode, then that would be better. But it expands and contracts too much. And so it can't cycle it up and down as much. But there's people working on fixing that problem, like some of the smartest people in the world. And then there's another one, too, that instead of using the lithium ion technology to use a lithium anode instead of a graphite anode. And if they get that, then they could double the energy, specific energy, that's energy per weight. But that's kind of what matters for a car. And so it's not like you're using different, you know, more expensive chemicals or anything like that. It's just we have to figure out how to make this work. And the problem that they have now is it's called dendrites. I don't know if you ever saw a picture of a brain cell, but the way that they attach to each other is called dendrites. And so it's like these little fingers will start going and it could short the battery out and explode. So that's something that we don't want to have happen. And so that's why people aren't using um, rechargeable lithium batteries that's what you know not lithium ion but regular lithium with a lithium anode and eventually they're going to figure that out you know just depends on what time they're working really hard on that and so we're going to get you know double for the same price perhaps you know maybe somebody will have a good patent on that (laughs) but we're going to be seeing things like that probably just what i think and maybe i'll be proved wrong because it used to be too, if a lot of people were like, oh, thin film, that's going to steal the day from solar. And, and that was always the thing that's going to happen. I think people have kind of given up on that one. We're going to probably see that, you know, the energy density get a lot better and without costing that much more. And there's tons of lithium. There's plenty of lithium in the world. That's not the, uh, that's not what's holding people back. It's just, we need to figure out how to get, you know, more energy in there out of the same amount of lithium or, you know, same weight of battery. And we'll start seeing stuff like that. And so like, if I had to throw a number at it, I don't, it's it's just like, I, I couldn't really do that, but maybe I could just say something really crazy, like um, 20, 30, 40 cents a kilowatt hour. And everybody tell me that I'm nuts. But if I would (laughs) have said, if I would have said the truth where solar would be right now, 10 years ago, everybody would have said I was completely lost it completely nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But um, one thing that's kind of interesting, too, is I know some friends in Germany, they um, they buy like the 18650 batteries, the same ones in my car, but not made by Tesla. They buy them off of Alibaba and they solder them together uh-huh. and they are making battery packs for their vans. <laughs> like this guy, this good friend of mine lives in a van and he's doing that. And I think I was looking at Alibaba and, and I think it was, I don't know, it's probably like 70 or 80 cents a kilowatt hour for the battery cells. And you have to also differentiate, too, where you're talking about the battery cells, and then you put a bunch of cells together, you get a battery pack, and then you get a bunch of battery packs together, you get a battery module. I always think of that like solar. I had it backwards. You have battery cells, then you have battery modules, then you have battery packs. 
just like you have solar cells, solar modules, and solar panels. So you just substitute P panel for pack, and then you got the right order. So, and so of course, the cells are going to be cheaper than the modules are going to be cheaper than the packs when you're talking about the batteries. Which obviously, if you're going to build your own, you've got to really know what you're doing. You don't want to just try and go out and do something crazy because you could, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's, uh, oh, yeah. oh, these guys are crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying, you know, average homeowner who doesn't know what he's doing, you know, it's, yeah, you can uh -huh. so yeah. Be careful. But obviously, you know, if they're, they yeah, I should probably them. check and see if they're still alive. I know, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. DC tech and, uh, uh -huh. you know, making sure that you're careful with the, uh, you know, arc fault and all that kind of stuff is important. Uh -huh. but, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like obviously there's a lot of good things to come. All right. And we're at a great place right now, but I think that the future is bright. Like we have mm -hmm. a wonderful industry that we get to be a part of and we've been a part of and to see that. And it's cool that you're good. You're on the educational side. And you've done a lot to educate a lot of, uh, a lot of us that support the residential side and a ton of those that are working in and, and on the uh, industrial and uh, uh, utility scale side. So really cool to see all the impact that you had and uh, any, anything else you want to add, Sean? Yeah. I, want, I wanted to say like, since we're going to post this on both of our podcasts, yeah. then introduce yourself to my people and, um, yeah, and sure. kind of, I want to know more what you do because you work with um, solar and real estate and how people can buy and sell houses with solar on it, which is very relevant to me because we just got a house that had solar on it and we had the previous people buy it out before we moved in. But it could have been, you know, I could see how they, in some cases it could be trouble. Like they just lowered the price of the house essentially when they paid it off, but that was just all part of the deal. Yeah, and you and you yeah. and you overbid for the house anyway these days, or at least around here. So. Yeah, you're, well, I think it's pretty it's pretty fairly universal that a lot of people are in bidding wars for homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I uh, I been in the solar industry for about eight years now, and don't you know I got to know Sean a few years into the industry. I went out and took his course and decided to get into the you know the installation side of it. I had sold solar and been in the homes of thousands of homeowners in California, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Florida, New Jersey, I mean all over the country and have been a part of that conversation with homeowners. You know, I've gone through and you know had companies and organizations where we're, you know, both selling solar and installing solar and helping solar and uh, homeowners and servicing those. Uh, we've seen a lot of things. And one of the recurring things we've run into is that a lot of these uh, real estate professionals don't know a ton about solar. And so recently I started, uh, wrote a book, actually, it's called Selling Solar Homes. And it's all about helping uh, homeowners that want to buy a solar home or home buyers that want to buy a solar home know how to buy a solar house, right? And if you're selling a solar house, like what you want to be looking for when you go to sell that house. And so what we find is that a lot of solar homeowners or customers that have solar, like when they went solar, it was a great idea and they definitely did it uh, because they were probably saving money and want to do the right thing as far as environmentally goes. But then retaining that knowledge about what their system is doing, how much electricity it's offsetting, how much it's worth, it's kind of hard to know that, uh, especially if you met with some guy for an hour or two, one, you know, one night several years ago. It's like, okay, well, what is my system actually worth? The, the glass that's on my roof. You know, what is that worth? And so we, uh, you know, we have a company called Spark. Spark, uh, SparkPros.com is our website. And Spark we, Pros. Yeah, Spark Pros. We support real estate agents and green homeowners in buying and selling their solar homes. And in really any kind of green home that's got any kind of energy upgrade in it, there's additional value there. 
but we provide some tools and reports that we give to you, the, the home buyer, the appraiser. So that way the home is correctly evaluated with the solar system. Now, like for example, a solar lease, like uh, you know, you talked about, they bought it out and gave it to you as part of that transaction. That doesn't add any value to a house as it is, as an asset, but it can if you buy it out, right? And so knowing that kind of information is really what we do is we help people understand how to buy it out, how to go through that, you know, or if you own it and it's on your house, what it's worth, what it's going to produce. And because to a home uh, seller, right? Someone is selling their house, right? That's going to have an asset value, right? How much it's worth, like, you know, it's depreciated over time. It's got, you know, a warranty, but maybe there's not many, as many years left on that warranty. And so that's going to have an asset value, but to an incoming buyer, right? They're going to have an offset value, right? How much of that electricity is it going to offset? Is that $150? Is it $200? Is it $20, right? Having that information is really critical. And if you're going to own that house for 10 years, right? That's going to know, you know, or whatever, five years, 10 years, 20 years, however long you're going to own it, right? Understanding what that number looks like. And, and so knowing what those two different values are really important. And so those are the kind of information that we provide to, you know, these professionals and to homeowners. And so that way it's really clearly conveyed. And, and that way it, it takes a lot of the headache and the, the guesswork out of selling or buying a solar home. Yeah, it sounds like every realtor should have you on speed dial. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So we have got a program where you can just obviously learn about it, jump in our books. We also have a program where someone can just certify and we'll teach you how to do everything, you know, uh, and you can find that on our website. Or we have a service where we will go in and just do all of it for you, where we basically just you know, take over as your real estate assistant and provide that service to them. And that's really cool for obviously agents and homeowners because then, you know, then they don't have to worry about any of that side of it. We will interview the homeowner and take care of all that information. So it's pretty cool. And it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it and it makes life easier for everybody. And I remember when like putting an offer on a house, it's like you're cramming to do all this stuff at the last second. So you probably get a lot of people like, I need this in five minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you can find, and we can find that information in five minutes, but <laughs> you know, it's a matter of just scheduling the time to get it done. So, um, you know, you've got 30, you got 30 days to go through ESCO. And so making mm -hmm. sure that, uh, you know, we always recommend if you're wanting to sell a solar home, contact us. One, we have agents. If you don't have an agent that are solar trained and we can help you with that. But if not, if you already have an agent, we can provide services and help. One of the cool things for us, it's not just about the financial side of this transaction for us. I feel an obligation because I've been helping people go solar for a long time. And so one of our policies is we do not charge our homeowners for our services. So if someone's got solar on their home, we don't charge them for it. So if you just call me up and say, Corey, I need a, a what we call a REDIS report, which is a real estate assistance transaction service report. We will provide that to them totally for free, right? And if you want us to use our services though, and, and an agent wants to use our services, obviously we'll have a fee for that. But for our homeowners that are just looking for help, we provide that totally for free. And yeah. uh, we just want to be a service to them. And again, this is about helping ensure that the value that we've been promising, right? The value that me, when I say we, I mean me and the entire solar sales industry has been promising and offering for years that we can deliver on that. It sounds like a pretty valuable service. And I would even be thinking that like some homeowner, you know, making an offer on a house might just like want to call you out and they're like, I have this contract from Sunrun. They're the yeah. biggest installer residential. Right. And they're like, I don't know what this means. It's a whole bunch of pages. And then you can look at it. It was like, oh, I've looked at this exact same contract a hundred times. And this is what it means. And this is how much your system's worth, if they pay it off or if they don't, you know, it's that that would probably be pretty valuable. And you could be like, 
So I guess you do stuff like that. And- we do. So we provide that service where we can go through and walk someone through that. Um, in the book, it actually covers all that, right? So if you're mm-hmm. buying a solar house and you've got a lease on it, you know, and you want to know exactly what's going on with that, I cover that in the book, buying solar home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that way you can do that. But ultimately, yeah, we would love to have a conversation to help you and, uh, you know, go through that and make sure that you're in the right. And so let's say that they want to sell you the system or you want to buy out the system instead of lease it, right? Mm-hmm. How much should that be for? All that kind of information are things that we can help with and provide that for them. And I would think too, like if somebody's buying the house and like, of course they could call Sunrun and ask them, but they want a third party, you know, like yeah. somebody that's, that's independent. And then they they probably don't have time to read a book too. Yeah, <laughs> so they true. might just want to go like, Hey, give me, you know, how much for 20 minutes of your time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, we're happy to provide that and offer that as, as far as a service. And, and uh, you know, like I said, it's been helpful for a lot of homeowners. It's just, it's really frustrating if you if you buy something and you have, it comes with zero instruction manuals and you know nothing about it, right? If you buy a pool and you have never had a pool before, you know what most people do is they just go hire a pool guy to take care of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about solar is that you don't really need a whole lot of. I mean, like we talked about, there's not a lot of ongoing maintenance, right? It's just that initial setup. Help me get going with this, so that way I can take it and run with it. And that's what we want to make sure is that that value is not lost. This is an asset. I mean, solar as far as an asset goes, I mean. They all have 25-year warranties, but everything's showing these things are going to be up there and they're going to last for 40, 50 years. You know, it's like longer than that, probably. I mean, it's like these things are going to be a significant part of the American landscape going forward. Let's make sure that they don't just, you know, get taken off or anything else. It's like, let's make sure that it's get done correctly and that uh, values can be transferred correctly. And, and you know what, to be honest, someone likes this because, you know, these leads can be like, oh, they don't like that. Of course, they love to get that cash infusion. They love to have someone buy out their their solar lease. You know, they're sure. they like to make that kind of money up, up front on these. That's great mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, yeah. To like to get the all that that future money that's valued less with inflation to get it for you know to pay it today where the without the inflation. So yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. one of the that's why Tesla ultimately bought out Solar City or uh, you know acquired them or whatever. Basically, bought them in is because it's expensive. A lot of these lease companies, they don't break even for four, five, six years. And so a big part of their job is to raise capital. They are constantly trying to raise capital. And so a great source of capital is their own clientele going in, buy out the system, and now you own it. You don't have to worry about paying those ever inflating costs of you know your monthly payments. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It sounds like a good thing you're doing there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> trying to help. For yeah, sure. Especially the free part. All <laughs> right. Like I said, we have uh we have definitely those that we want to serve and help. And so for the uh for our, our green homeowners, so to be a green homeowner, I'll just tell you you got to go in and you go to um so same website basically, but the 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 other URL for is sparkhelp.com. You can go and you can apply to be a green homeowner and you got to take a picture with you and your solar. So that way basically we verify that it's your solar. But then we will, you know, provide you a free report and make sure that you know you get what you need. The book is totally free for them. You know, you just pay for shipping. But basically, we'll we'll provide all that information for them because, again, it's about making sure that we're delivering on what we've promised for all these years. I mean, the solar industry has been rocking and rolling for eleven years now, really strong. You know, and there are millions of homeowners, two point two million solar homes in the United States right now. You know, and hopefully that's awesome. going to go up. Mm-hmm. But who's helping them after the fact? Not a lot of people are out there supporting solar homeowners after they go solar. Great. So we're a brand that's really built around trying to help make sure that the green movement moves forward. So I was just thinking of that class that we met at that was in Las Vegas. 
and I think it was through Kaplan, right? Was it through yeah, yep, Kaplan? It yeah. And then on the last day, we did field trips, right? Then we went to Nellis Air Force Base and we saw the formerly biggest PV system in the world. We had a guy that worked for the State Department in the class and he was trying to, to get us behind the fence, but we just stood on some rocks and took some pictures. And I still have some of those pictures that I use for my slides and my classes. That's and awesome. then we went to Ivanapah, the concentrated solar thermal plant. Uh -huh. There's these big three huge power towers. It's just on the California side of the border over there by Vegas. And we stayed and we just drove around in there until they kicked us out. That's my hot tip on how to see a solar farm is don't ask. Just go in there until they kick you out. And yeah, um, just walk on. They like you on the plane, right? Yeah. And they just had, the, you know, many thousands of mirrors shining on these power towers. And then I think we went and had a nice buffet and then you gave me a ride at the airport. So thanks again. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. That was awesome. That was seriously, that was like, that was a whole new world for me. You know, I was like, I'd only been selling solar. And so getting into the installation side of it and learning about all those things was awesome. And then obviously, you know, I getting a personal tour by Sean White of these facilities, you know, permission or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the guy that worked for the State Department he wrote a book too. His name is Michael Ginsburg. I don't know if you remember him, but he... I didn't remember that. That's cool. Do you know what he, what his book is about? Um, we should look it up. <laughs> I know. Right. So I'll yeah. take a look and see what, what, what yeah. Michael wrote but about. Cool. I think his publisher is Rootledge. Okay. And, um, I, I don't know. We should cut this part out where I don't know. <laughs> oh, good. Can't know everything, Sean. So he, goes, so he doesn't go, Sean. <laughs> That's right. Darn it, Sean. What the heck? I thought we were buddies. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, here, let's let's see. I guess I could just look it up really quick here. Yeah, that was uh that was a fun class. We had obviously a good time out there. Yeah, it's really interesting with the homeowners that I was I was actually just at a conference this last week and I sat down at a table with a guy and you know you always get the question, what do you do? And and uh so I told him and he's like, Really? He's like, and I just bought a house last, uh, like a month and a half ago. And guess what? We got solar and I don't know anything about this thing. And I was like, well, you should read my book, man. Uh, tell him about it. And he was, but it was, it was interesting, like how common the theme is where people buy homes and they has solar on it. And, you know, they just, they don't get monitoring of the systems or, you know, they don't know who to call for maintenance or warranty issues. You know, if there is one, right. If an inverter goes out, who do they call? You know, that kind of stuff is, you know, unfortunately. The way this industry works is uh, on the residential side, if you're not a lease company, it's a one-time transaction. And then you usually don't end up, most solar clients don't ever talk to them because there's nothing to talk about. The solar just sits there and collects, right? And so there's a, there's a fairly large disconnect there. And that's where it's cool to be able to provide that. Did you find our book? Yeah, I found the book. And this is why I couldn't remember it because it's a really long title. Ah. Solar Photovoltaic Power Optimization, Enhancing System Performance Through Operations, Measurement, and Verification by Michael Ginsburg. Wow. You probably learned half yeah. that stuff from you, Sean. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's cool. I'll have to check out his book. I love, uh, love reading Great. I, uh, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, maybe uh, cool. maybe I'll have his picture in there, and you'll go like, "Oh, I kind of remember there." He was kind of like a younger guy, but that was that was a while ago. So now we're all older, except for me. I know, yeah. I know, right? You don't age, Sean. You know, he's still got the <laughs> the, the, the golden locks there. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're grateful that you're able to join me, Sean. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're, you know, obviously have a lot of demands on your time, and you're busy with courses and studying everything else. So 
lot of, lot of knowledge knocking around in that brain up there. I'm surprised you can remember it all. That's incredible. Yeah, you know, thanks. Uh, you spend, like you said, I love what you said. You just spend more time learning than you do, you know, obviously, than on teaching. And so that's really invaluable. It's nice to have someone who's that steep in, in knowledge and information in an industry that's, you know, like I said, we're working to change the world. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. got to keep those those dendrites in my head expanding. That's, right. <laughs> that's right. Don't, don't want them contracting. You keep them expanding, uh-huh. man. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, great. Cool. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, yeah, thanks, Corey. Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To find out more about solar, energy storage, and everything else under the sun, go to solarsean.com.